You're listening to Legends of Thra, a new podcast from Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast. Welcome to Legends of Thra. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Reedy. How are you doing today, James? Hello. I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It is a gloomy morning here in los angeles uh i don't know what the weather's like where you are on the other side of the pond it's very miserable it's been sunny all week apart from today and it's just rained typical british weather just rain yeah 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 just overcast and gloomy very brian froud kind of weather (laughs) yeah (laughs) the darkening has took over yes and uh speaking of brian froud we are here today to talk about gelflings yippee (laughs) um gelflings i I, yeah i have i think they're my favorite creature in thra i I don't know i don't know i love the gartham i love the land striders um but like what what do you think of like when it comes to gelfling what comes to mind like what are do you have favorites oh yeah i think it's really interesting you said that you said they were favorite and then you were kind of an army i when i watched the original movie i always thought the gelfling were kind of like the least interesting really purely yeah purely because i always thought i understood that they're sort of like meant to be um the viewers uh the viewer on in the movie aren't you they're sort of our representation so i was always kind of like they're the the most human looking aren't they even though they're kind of elfin um but when they released age of resistance like everything um because there was just an explosion of you know, we go from like two Gelfling in the original movie, Jen and Kira, and then suddenly you get thrust into Age of Resistance where there's just thousands of them and the different clans. They've kind of become one of my favorite races. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one of my absolute favorite is uh, Mordra Sidi. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just absolutely stunning. That whole costume, that kind of like African Indian vibe going on with the beads and the head wrap and everything she just looks absolutely incredible um and uh yeah and to be honest either or just all it, the dusan clan as a whole uh are just incredible like the way they the paint the way their colors are the texture um the way they're kind of like you know the skeksis don't trust them it's only really the hunter that deals with them because they won't they don't like the fact that they've come to terms with death um yeah, I think um, I think there's so much variety now in in the Gelfling clans, which we didn't have before. Yeah, I would agree, and I I think the Dusan clan specifically is mysterious, and it's they are you don't really know too much about them. They they are they've come to peace with death, but what does that even mean? I mean, mm. we know through hints throughout AOR that the Gelfling when they died, they go back to Thra. Whatever that is, and I know that there was a ceremony for Ol Madra, um, Brea's. What's Ol Madra's name? Brea's mother. I can't remember. Uh, Madra Mayrin. Mayrin. Okay, they never. You never hear yeah, her Mayrin. name. Um, yeah, I don't think. <coughs> I don't think it's said. I don't think it's said in the series. Um, it might be. I can't remember to be honest. Um, but I know. I know that's what they refer to her in the comics. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Mordra, which is always a, she's always referred to as the old Mordra, isn't she? Yeah, but yes, M R M A Y R I N, Mayrin. Okay, yeah, I, I yeah. like I like the idea that when they die, when she dies, they have to go through the right process. You know, they have to. Mm. She has to go through the right ceremony to be returned to Thra, and I mm. love that 
that next step they've taken with the Gelflings to connect them to Thra in an even deeper way. And uh, to rewind this, Gelflings were my favorite, but Jen was my least favorite. Like, I think he was puppeted amazingly, um, but Kira, for me, was like, this character's amazing. She was mysterious. She was connected to the earth. She could speak to flowers, and she could kind of talk to everything. And she was just this mysterious, like the definition of a woodland elf, of a woodland fairy. That's who Kira was or is. And so I was just enamored with her. Um, but Jen, I was like, whatever, you're, you're boring. As <laughs> well, it's boring. interesting you say that because I was the complete opposite. So I, I saw the original movie when I was about six years old. And I very much saw myself as Jen. Like I, the, yeah. out of everything that I saw in The Dark Crystal, the thing that shocked me the most, I think we spoke about this before, was the fact that when Jen turns around, when he goes into the master's cave, is that he's not human. Mm-hmm. And as a little boy, I was like, you know, I seen him on screen. I was like, oh, there's another little boy. And then suddenly it's like, oh, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> he's not a little boy. Well, he is a boy, but he's not who I think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then weirdly, as I've got older, I've again, I've gone, I've gone like with you, like for me, Kira, I think it's really strange because now that I've watched it as an adult, I think that maybe Jim Henson struggled with Jen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you if you rewind the clock, when when um, Catherine Mullen was brought on board to do Dark Crystal, she had a lot of prep time with the Kira um, puppet or just a, a, like a prototype. And at the same time, you know, Jim's doing all this, um, you know, prep for the film and that, but he's actually filming the great Muppet caper at the same time. So he's kind of like in this limbo where he's like leaving people that he can trust to kind of develop Dark Crystal and trying to finish it up, finish off the Muppet caper. And I think that maybe when he came on to the movie that he thought that he just, you know, oh, I can do it. I'm a puppeteer. I can just do this. It's just Jen. And maybe like he struggled a little bit because there's, there's, I think that as much as I love Jen, there's moments where he's just a little bit juddery or he doesn't like Kira's movements now as through an adult's eyes, they're so smooth. Like that mm-hmm. first moment that we see her where she takes her hood off is just, is perfection. And I know it is absolutely it's only perfection. a simple, it, it, I say it's a simple movement of just pulling the hood back, but I suppose, you know, with, with your, with the additional puppet as well, you, you know, you, she's only controlling one arm, but it's just so fluid. Like you, you feel in that moment that Kira's alive. And I don't think there's that many moments with Jen where it's similar I was doing a bit of research before we came on here. Like the only thing or moment I really love of Jen is when um, before he uh, meets Fizgig for the first time, there's like a, a scene where he's just sat uh, in the woods and, you know, you see all the creatures and we kind of see that life cycle where the creature's chasing the flies and then that gets eaten by a rock. But then there's like this really quiet moment where Jen's just sat down looking mm-hmm. at the crystal and it's the, I think it's the most lifelike he gets because there's a part where something rustles in the background and he reacts to the sound and his ears go back and his eyes move all in sync at the same time. And I think, yeah, that part for me is the most he got to being as good as Kira did. Yeah, uh, I, I think there is a lot to be said for that. But before I even approach that, I, my issue, why I loved Kira more <laughs> um, than I did Jen was that Kira 
had no reservation for doing the right thing. Kira was like, this is the piece of the dark crystal. This is what we got to do. I'm going to go with you. And he's like, oh, okay. Whereas Jen, the whole the entire time, he was kind of like, I don't want to do this. What am I doing? What am I, I got to okay. <laughs> you know, like, I got to go alone. Like, master, I can't. Like, he was always like, it's the classic. Come heroes. on, man. Why have I got to do this? <laughs> yeah, it was, it's a classic hero's journey where there's the call for the journey and the hero's like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And then the hero decides I'm going to do it. Jen isn't the yeah. hero. Kira's the hero. I will stand by that until I'm dead. Um, yeah. I definitely think it took them both to get the prophecy fulfilled, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I think Jen comes into his own when he meets Kira. Like, I really like Jen as a character. But like you said, he's kind of like the first half of the movie. He's really sort of like out of his, he's t- totally out of his depth. And it's kind of like when he meets Kira. Kira is out of her depth as well. But she kind of like, you know, she holds his hand. She says, you know, it's okay. We can do this together. This, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think that's neat. She's hundred percent needed for Jen's Absolutely. arc. Yeah. Like she, he needs that. The type of character he is, he needs Kira. But does, if Kira was the hero, would she need Jen? She <laughs> wouldn't need know. Jen. Um, but, I, and I think in the, yeah, she'd need Jen in terms of when they get to the prophecy, he's the one that reads the prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she so, can't read and write, so they're both equally needed. Yes, uh, but I think also the way that they're raised, Jen is raised around all of these mystics. He's this Gelfling that's learning everything. Yes, he has a lot of knowledge, but he doesn't have a, a lot of world streetwise, if you could use that mm. term. Even though they yeah. live in the forest and whatever, um, so Jen's always dependent upon this community of people or these community of mystics so he's reliant upon them he's dependent upon them yes he's out and he's swimming in a pool and you would think he's maybe a little bit more connected to the earth but he isn't kira on the other hand is raised by the podlings but she's very independent of them she's very much on her own going to do things you know exploring discovering and you see those two sensibilities kind of come together where kira has no hesitancy to do what she thinks is right. Yeah. Conversely, Brea is similar. Where Brea is like, even I think um, Deet is similar. Where there's no hesitation. They're like, we got to do this. We got to go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. men, the boys, Rian and Jen are like, oh well, oh, oh I don't know. Um, well, oh father, you know, like um, and that to me, I think it's good storytelling for sure. It's not frustrating to me. It's just. I, I'm the kind of person in my life where, when I've had to do the right thing, I've just I just do it. Like yeah. I don't, I, like I just don't even hesitate. Nothing has. I don't hesitate. I'm like, oh, should I do this for the like for big things in my life? Like whether. It's, yeah, you associate with it. You associate yeah, with that stuff. I still associate with them. Um, yeah. But to your to get back into the puppetry, I think it's interesting that with both AOR and the original film, that the men operating the male gelflings don't come off as realistic as, as realistic as the women. And I don't know what that's about, but that's not to say that what we're seeing isn't amazing because it is, of course we Mm. agree on that. It's just very different. Brea and Deet and a lot of the others, they just have this flow to them. Whereas the male characters just don't as much. They seem they seem less realistic than the women, the females. And I don't know what that's about. That's very interesting. Mm, so I, suppose, 
don't know if I agree, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I know I said they're less less realistic. I think it's just a different, it's just different forms, isn't it? They're just concentrating on different things. With Jen, I mean, like going back to Jen's character, I mean, Jen is completely alienated from his own history. He knows nothing about the Gelfling and what they are, what he is. You know, he's he's grown up in this society where he's essentially surrounded by aliens. He thinks they're the norm. Whereas, you know, Kira knows that she's not a podling. So she has that knowledge mm-hmm. that, you know, even though she's raised by podlings, she's not one of them. But like you said, she understands Thra, whereas Jen is completely alienated from that. And in terms of Rian, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of similar in the sense that his entire, well, most of his life, he's in the Castle of the Crystal, right? Mm-hmm. So he's a castle guard. So even though he understands his culture and he's part of the Gelfling and that, his whole his whole life is in the castle. Whereas Brea and Deep, they're not at all. You they know, Brea is yeah. yeah, you know, Brea's a princess. Brea could go to one end from one end of Thra to the other and there wouldn't be an issue. Whereas, you know, Rian isn't allowed that. Like Rian's and life is the castle. To your point. This is a matriarchal society where women are yeah, in exactly, charge. Yeah, yeah, so true, I think yeah. women have a little bit more freedom. Women mm. have a little bit more say. Women have a little bit more, maybe, or a lot more gravitas. They have a mm. lot more energy to who they are. Um, and the men mm. have a, just a different role. So I think, to your point, I, 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 and certainly... Yeah, I mean, you, Rian, you, know, you see, it's like, true. Rian's dad, like Ordon, is a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. You know, Ordon goes through this amazing arc where he's kind of like, at the beginning, he's trying to, you know, he wants his son to come up the ranks like he did. And, he, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to, um, you know, uh, impress upon him his values and that. And there's a really great point, because I watched episode three today, um, where, you know, Rian goes to Mordra Farah and he's saying, you know, dream fast with me. Let me, you're my Mordor. Let me tell tell you what I've seen. And Ordon comes in, and you know, because he's because of the way he's been brought up, and and the system that surrounds them, he completely believes the Skeksis. You know, Rian was like that up until the end of eight, episode one. So when Rian is saying, you know, Dad, why don't you believe me? Like you're you're my dad, and you still don't believe me. And yet Ordon's got this inner conflict of do I believe my son or do I believe the system that has told me everything since I've been born? Like who's right and who's wrong. And he goes through, I think he has this wonderful art and it, you know, spoilers ahead. Sadly, he, he is kind of redeemed in the fact that he saves Rian from Skek Mal. But I just, I just loved Ordon as a character. I thought he was great. I agree. I agree. Um, and- uh, there's one scene, I mean, of so many scenes in AOR, but one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of all time in AOR is when Rian enters into the Madras Palace or whatever. And yeah. it's got all of those hanging low lights and just the tension and then the escape. Like, that scene oh. is perfect. Like, oh, it's I, brilliant, isn't it? Oh, my God. So good. The escape so good. and the choreography of all of the lights falling, and these are all practical yeah. things. None yeah. of that is... is CGI. It's all practical. I mean, I think there are a few CGI things when he eventually jumps up and out. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. But the ropes flying, you know, the fizz gig barking, all yeah. of the people with the Gelfling puppets kind of court- moving around Rian and the swords and then Rian looking up and then jumping. I, I, 
I could watch that scene over and over and over well, and over. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just randomly picked episode three because I thought I haven't seen that episode. I usually start with one and make way through. And episode three is it's kind of like some of those episodes start to blur into one part because there's mm-hmm. like certain arcs in the story. But like you look at episode three and there are so many moments that are gelfling heavy mm-hmm. that you you didn't get in the original movie. Like, you know, you it opens with um, the Order of Lesser Service. Mm-hmm. We get that amazing character of Junie, who's like jingle jangle and mm-hmm. shiny hair. Um, and everything, you know, that whole collection of Gelfling just moving. Every single one of them has got one to two people, well, two people operating and then, and then a third person on animatronics for the face. Uh, and then you've got all this such expansive world building. You know, the Order of Lesser Service, simple things like the Rascal Hole, all these like individual words and phrases that are just said and moved on could spawn their own like comic book or their own mm-hmm. story. You know, Brea goes to see Onika. Like we never, you know, um, Tavra, Tavra understands who Onika is and yet it's never spoke of again. What's the connection between Tavra and Onika? Like there's all this sort of organic history to each mm-hmm. of these characters that i just i think age of resistance got so did so well um and you could you know if it was if it was a disney plus series or a flipping cw series every any single one of those characters would have their own spin-off mm-hmm. you know what i mean it just adds to that gravitas you know you got, you got that the beautiful scene where rin comes across the um, the two Gelfling, uh, the two Spritons on their way to Sammy Thicket with the wheel oh that's God, popped I love off. That scene so it's, much. it's like it's like a side mission for a for a, a Elder Scrolls game. Like it's just it's just it means nothing that whole scene, which is like eight minutes long, but it builds to the story in like a more subtle way. You start to feel that that sort of tension that Rian's feeling because people think he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just little subtle things like that, which just that just make the series so great. Yeah. And I really do think that, you know, you have Agra, who, we, who we've discussed in the, the Skeksis, and there is the presence of the mystics within AOR. But the Gelflings are the anchor for the show, no doubt. They are. 100%. Um, and just the way that they push them, I think the whole Garotten, <laughs> um community underground in those caves was simply brilliant the, the, hmm. I, I i would love to see the set because i know some things were augmented and but then there's the aerial scenes where deed is flying but you see her pov and you see the puppets below her yeah, yeah. and the little boy is jumping of course there are people <laughs> behind him making yeah. him jump probably all in blue or green or whatever yeah. um but that whole grotten sequence blows my mind how they did it it oh, is so it's wonderful just, isn't it and it feels so real and i think what's what's really great about these environments that the gelflings are in is we have to be convinced of them we have to be convinced that these things are real that these things um this is a draws a real lived in world and to your point about Sam, the sammy thicket scene or uh rian comes up across the that couple and the baby i feel like i'm in this mythical forest somewhere it feels like i i want to go to that area where they where he found them um <laughs> so i think the gelfling are really selling aor or not just aor but the world of thra in a really really 
um, interesting way, but they're all so different as well. Mm. Um, they they have such different personalities, and I think that was established in the original film where Jen and Kira couldn't have been more opposite. Where she was yeah. like, "Oh, we got to go, we got to do this thing," and he's like, "No, I don't want to do this thing. I'm going to throw the shard away." Um, J- Kira's a bit fearless. Jen's definitely fearful. Um, and then you see that dynamic playing out in AOR where you have Brea. She's like, no, we got to do this. We got to do this. This is right. This is what's right. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Slow down. What's going on? Are you sure? Are you reading yeah. too many stories? And- I mean, even her mom, even her mom d- uh, doubts her. You know, her mom's part of the system. You know, that whole that whole part in episode one where, you know, Brea's like, well, why 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 are the farmers giving their pendant away? And it's like, because this is how it is. Like, don't fight against this. Even, you know, Celadon and Tavra are just like, shut up. Like, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. But she's like, it's wrong. And she says to her mum, yeah, this is wrong. And then notice that her mum's wearing the pendant. Mm-hmm. So even 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 that family dynamic is, uh, you know, she's pushing against it. But I think and, going yeah. back. Yeah, go, go on, ahead. sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, going back to like what you were saying about their environment, I think what they did so well was not only establishing those environments, but then making sure that their costume and their design reflects that environment. You know, like the fact that Deke glows in the dark because of the moss she eats. Her clothes are very, um, you know, they're, they're, she's kind of, I say, dirty looking. But you know what I mean? Like, And how, like, say, you know, there's that scene where the Stonewoods are drinking and they're like, oh, you, you filthy, you filthy grotten, what are you doing around here? And how even between the clans, there's like this, this sort of uh, resistance to each other, even though they all live within the communities. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like, you know, we stick to our own, this sort of tribal, which the Skeksis have obviously instilled in them. But I just think it was fantastic that, you know, Brian Froud was able to design these characters, but then make them look like their their costuming and everything looked a reflection of their hierarchy and the mm-hmm. status and 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 their environment that they're from yes and even the smaller moments where deet is standing in line to go see the old madra in stone in the wood and she's talking to the guard and he was like she's yeah like, well why can he go ahead of me and talking about rian and he's and he's like and the, the she's one of like, us because he's one of us <laughs> and i love that the the interracial racism or prejudice yeah pretty um, much yeah and it, it really plays into because if everyone just got along and the gelflings were all oh, yes we love each other they would just be smurfs you know yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we don't I, they're not smurfs and yeah. they're complicated and well i think is also it's it's not like on the nose you know what i mean like mm-hmm. a lot of other i like i think a lot of other shows don't handle it as well mm-hmm. like i think i think age of resistance handled that dynamic so well because it's just they just tell the story and 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 they let the material let you make that assumption whereas a lot of other shows it's kind of like just you know they punch on the face and say look what we're doing i think i think age of resistance just handled that so much better but going back going back to that scene though i i i remember when we were waiting for um the trailer to drop and there was that still of deep in line and there's that amazing gelfling stood behind her where he's got like this green paint across his yes. eyes and forehead and he turned out to be nobody yes, and yet all that work and all that beautiful like sculpting and costuming and he's he's literally in it for two seconds you never see that character again yeah yeah, yeah and you that. think about all the people that are needed to do that shot and to do those characters and they're just in the background 
but they're tangible. They're real. They're not CG. That's a real puppet. Yeah. You know, um, there was a, there's a um, additional puppeteer called Chris Kendall. And he, he shared this wonderful photo of him um, with a, with a, uh, a background Gelfling that he puppeteered from the scene where um, the scroll keeper and the collector are coming in their carriage and all those Gelfling that are lining the streets and that, you know, 80% of them are real. And, you know, you've got this amazing photo of this absolutely gorgeous Gelfling. And yet you can literally see it for a split second. But it just adds to that feeling that the world exists. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, I'd say, you know, it's not like Phantom Menace where there's just rows and rows and rows of CGI troopers. And you, you kind of have this disconnect where you don't care if one of them dies. You know what I mean? When you've got a real puppet and a real character, even if they're not, you know, even if they don't have a speaking part, you still kind of connect more, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, of course. Of course you do. And I think as you're talking about kind of what it's taking to make these worlds possible, the Gelfland <coughs> in AOR and certainly in uh, the original film, they took the most work. But in AOR, they had to design like 50 or plus 50 or 60 different Gelfling. Of course, there were oh, times more. They had to. More. There's loads. Yeah. Absolutely loads of them. So, There's racks and racks of them. In so some of the, not just the designing them, designing them on paper, going through those iterations, then sculpting. Oh, that's sculpt. Okay, we'll, we'll see. It looks a little bit. Then going through different kinds of sculpts and then approving mm. them and then building them and then building the infrastructure for their face so people could, put, people could put their hands in the puppets and then building a culture for each one and making mm. sure... Because there were times in AOR where, as you, of course, know, this is for our listening audience, there are times in AOR where you might, a, a certain puppet might look familiar because you've seen, seen them in a different scene, but they this time they have black hair or they have blonde hair and their face looks mm. a little bit different. Yeah. And maybe, they're, maybe they are uh, a, a, a castle guard or something. So they're using some characters more than once, even the character of Junie. That you see her again as a different character, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, like, she I think you probably role, see you, you probably s- see her sculpt, don't you? Again, yeah. Which I also, which I also kind of like because it's like even in like, you know, even in even in real life, you can see several people's faces yes. and go, "Oh my god, he looks like my best mate." Yeah. Like you yeah. know that because because you're all you know you we're all mixing. Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah. I think that, I think that's really cool that and they did that. I agree, and I. But Obviously, again, it helps in the process of making loads of Gelfling. Yeah, so if you can the, use one face and then just replicate it for different, like Vapor and Sprite, and, and mm-hmm. just give a whole new outfit. Yeah, and I mean, and sometimes it means a new wig and it means a new costume. Mm. And so these, the crew behind this are fashioning costumes and jewelry and so much and different kinds of wings for the people who have wings that are visible for these mm. characters. So much work went into just the creation of the Gelfling in terms of a practical, a practical puppet puppets with a culture puppets who live in a world. And then you have the puppeteers who have to come in and give them life, which is a whole nother different topic, which took a long time. Um, Of course they filmed this over a year, but they didn't have the time that Henson and company had for the original film, which they had years and years to develop this stuff. And they were just working on it for years and years, developing a culture and developing a world and figuring out how things work. Whereas with Age of Resistance, they had like essentially two or three years 
to get this stuff all together, to build those sets, to build those costumes, to build the creatures, the animatronics. I mean, I, I every time I think about this and we talk about this, I can barely comprehend what they did in, in that <laughs> span of time. I know. It's crazy. The miracle that they that they uh, that they performed or that they pulled that, off to that casting crew must have been absolutely shattered by the yes. end of it. Yeah. Because just like you think in between takes and that, you know, you have your people come on that, you know, if the wigs moved or the makeup's not right and they've got to touch up and set the reset and re, you know, just it's, they must have been shattered. And I mean, going back to what you're saying about the costumes and that, like you think about just take, for example, the three sisters and the old Mordra, like their, their, their plaits in their hair represent the position they are within the hierarchy of those four characters. So the closer you get to all Mordred, the more elaborate the plat becomes. So if you look, for example, Celadon, because she's kind of groomed to be the next all Mordred and, and um, she's eldest, her, her plat is, you know, very similar to her mum's who is the all Mordred. And then as you go down to sort of Tavern Bray, it becomes, it's still elaborate, but there's just not as many interconnecting parts to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that, that one detail, like how would you, without reading up on that or talking to people, how would you ever know that? And yet that's the level of detail that these people put into this show to make it feel like it's real mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. the culture does exist. It's just mind blowing. It is. You know, you know, every time they turn their head, it's so quick. You, you know, and unless the three of them are stood face, not facing the camera, you wouldn't see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back to what you said right at the beginning about what's your favorite character, I think in Age of Resistance, one of the best characters for, in terms of arc is Celadon. I just absolutely love her character to bits. I think I, I love this. I love that within dark crystal fandom is like this love or hate relationship with her but in terms of an arc i don't think anybody can argue that she 100 had the best arc yeah she like, had a great arc i came into it thing completely thinking oh she's gonna be a spare part she's just this you know she's one that's gonna um she wants to be you know the ormolger she's not gonna get it it's not gonna, yeah and they just went off on a complete they just took her and ran with her like that whole idea that she knows best and and kind of like this, she is an, a quite of an anti-villain type thing, but also the fact that you kind of sympathise with her. There's like this lovely moment in episode three where, um, or the old Morger is sort of upset that Brea has gone off; she's run away, and Celadon brings her mum back down to her and says, "No, you are the old Morger. You told me that to be Morger is to come first and then a mother second. So we will do this. We these people need. We need to sort these people out. We do this, and then we be mother second. And the Ormordra doesn't hug her. She just says, "Oh, you know, you will be a great Ormordra one day." And then, as they're getting ready to go out, the Ormordra just turns to her and says, oh, "Sort your wings out." And you just see the level of you know she's just brought. I picked her mum up, and she's feeling really great. And then the, it only takes one comment. And she's just right back down in the dirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like this, there's like this dynamic where her mum's, she's got so much pressure on her to be the future or Mordra that her mum shows her no love. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that there's no, 
motherly instinct that kicks in with her. It's just always business. And I just feel that just, it just makes me feel sorry for Celadon. So when you see her turning, not evil, but down a darker path, I just think that you can understand why she's doing that even. And that makes it even more gut wrenching Mm because you're like, don't do this. And yet you understand why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and she yeah. gets that amazing outfit. She yeah. gets that amazing goth outfit. <laughs> yeah, her, the, the crown, complexity, looks like the castle, and everything. The complexity of just... character for her is, and the complexity of the relationship between the sisters, where you have these sisters that are very different people. They're very mm. different. Gelfling. You have, you know, Celadon, who's next in line, <laughs> Tavra, who's head of the guards, and Brea, yeah. who's just the princess who's mm. kind of just there as decoration in, in some ways, unless yeah. her two sisters yep. die and she becomes Almadra. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, baby is, sister. Yeah, she's it? the baby sister. Um, yeah. But they all had their part to play in the story, which, again, just the, the, the level of writing, the complexity uh, of their characters was just fascinating. Um, but it leads me to a question, because there's a lot to talk about. Maybe we should do a part two for this. 100%. Like, right after, like our next show after this will be a part two. Um, but... Here's a question for you. Where do Gelflings come from? Do you think they're born? Do you think that they are pregnant? Or do you think that Thra, like they're like Cabbage Patch Kids, where you open up a, not <laughs> literally open up a flower and there's a, but Thra gives Gelf, like Thra creates Gelfling. So if yeah. there's a family, like, because there's the whole question of like Deet's father's. Yeah, D so, has two dads, right? D has two dads. So, so how, how did how they does get that work? Dee? Yeah, how yeah. does it work? What do you think? I think it's a really interesting question. I think when we were, I think myself, you and Ethan have, have spoke about this a few times, but I think I loved this idea that it was almost insectoid like. So it's kind of like, I don't know, like maybe, you know, there's a more closer relationship with the sanctuary tree. Like, you know, maybe the sanctuary tree creates a gelfling and then that gelfling is gifted to uh to a couple you know like that way that would you know and then because a lot of the thing a lot you know when you you look at the dynamics in a lot of these characters there's not actually a lot of dads i mean d has two dads but we never see brea's dad we never see um uh rian's mother it's kind of like weird that they kind of like you never have maybe there's just maybe it's maybe well you see ordon and the only other people you the only other father you see is during that scene with Rian and the couple on their way to Sammy Thicket. Where yeah, you see yeah, that's the, the true. father and the that's mother true. and the that's baby. Right. Um, but I just thought, actually, I think they addressed Rian's mum in one of the comics, actually. Let me think about it. I think we do see in the prequel comic, you do see Rian's mum. Hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, we don't see where they come from. It's not like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't explain that they have sex or anything. Like, yeah. it's, it's literally like not even addressed. So I think it, 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 they could go anywhere. I, I like the idea that Thra gifts them children, like because the whole the whole tale and the whole um, the whole dynamic of it, they kind of they're constantly telling you that Gelfling are from Thra, the the you know the the the, the first children Thra's you know um, their relationship with Thra is is spiritual as well as physical. So the idea that maybe Thra, but gifts them children i think is, is a really cool idea yeah i i think so too i think it's a brilliant idea but also maybe 
both male and female are reproductive. That's also oh, possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do. I think I like the mystery better of Thra gifting when Thra feels ready to. You know, there's a whole ceremony that a new couple goes and they're like, "We're ready for children," and they have to go into a some type of ceremony and have children given to them by Thra. I love that. Um, yeah, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do if if um, they approach that topic in any type of sequel season at any other streamer, whoever picks it up, if it's ever picked up, fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. um, but I, 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 that's a mystery that I, I and I'm, I'm not all for like, let's uncover every mystery. What makes good shows is mystery um, where our imaginations are kind of telling us what's happening or we're imagining what might be happening or what could happen. But I would really like to understand this, but there's so much in Gelfling lore and Gelfling um, culture that is still unknown. Is there a Sky Clan? Is there another hidden clan? And is this clan the Prophecy Clan? Like the Dusan come off to me as very prophetic, religious, um, yeah, traditionalists. Mm -hmm. um, and what does that culture look like? What do their houses look like? Is it dark? Is it light? Like they live in the desert? Like what is that? Um, almost heretical, isn't it? Yes. Like they're 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 the forbidden clan almost. Like yeah. the Skeksis are just like whatever the Dusan know, the Gelflings need to know. Mm -hmm. Like the rest mm -hmm. of the clans need to know because the Skeksis do not like if the Skeksis don't like them, there's a reason for it. And they this I hope there's a thread that we can pull on that leads us down that road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, I hundred percent believe there's other clans that we don't know about. I agree. I agree. You know, um, it's hinted at you know, in the, the Wall of Destiny. I mean, again, yeah. we've talked about this before, where you have Ma there's a male. winged male, yeah, whatever they are, gelflings, yeah, um, mm -hmm. a part of this prophecy. But more interesting as well is that if you look at all the gelfling that appear in Age of Resistance, their wings are completely different to Kira's. Mm -hmm. So Kira kind of has like this moth like butterfly type establishment mm -hmm. going on with her wings mm -hmm. where um, I think it's said in the world of the dark crystal that the Gelfling, because of the darkening, the Gelfling lose their ability to fly. So it's, they can only glide and hence why it's Kira glides off the rock and doesn't fly about like say Brea mm -hmm. or Deet. Uh, whereas in age of resistance, they've got a very fairy type of wing. Mm -hmm. So I hope that in further seasons or further material, they establish the reason for that, Disconnect. Is Kira, is Kira Vaprin that we think she is? I mean, she looks very Vaprin, or is it the fact that she's she might be a mixture of Vaprin and this unknown clan that we've not met? Yeah, or Kira and Jen both. Well, yeah, well, Jen. I think Jen. I think it's kind of implied that Jen is very stone on, in the wood. Because yeah. if you look on his chest, he has now, which we know the symbol of the Stonewood Clan, which is another thing that Adrian Resistance did great. Kira has that too, though. If you look she does. Mirror. She does. Yeah, she does. But is that because the clothes she's wearing given to her from the podlings? Totally. Totally. You know what I mean? Is it? Is it that the pot, the podlings? You know that is that far from stone in the wood? I don't know. I haven't looked at a map, but it could be just because Kira's clothing is stolen. You know, the podlings might have come across a desecrated village, which was mm -hmm. stone stonewood. You know, you, you don't know. There's loads of angles that could go there. Totally. And but I also think that maybe Thra could have realized we need Gelfling. The two Gelfling for this prophecy are going to be a combination of, of all Gelfling. We're 
Kira yeah. does look Vaporin, but she's got a a um a Doosin, not Doosin, but um what's Groton. Gr- no, yeah, Groton, but also um what's Naya's clan? Oh, um Drenchin. Drenchin. She's got a Drenchin quality to her as well. Yeah. There's something uh-huh. about her that's Drenchin. Um, it's the green robes, I think, isn't it? Yeah, and She's even got, her it's wings. It's that earthy feel, isn't it? I haven't seen Naya's wings. Uh, I don't no, know that's true. Do you see Naya's wings in AOR? N- no, I think I think they did say that they are meant to be um, almost... I think some, I swear it's, it's in um, one of J.M. Lee's books where they say it's almost like bat-like. Hmm. They're sort they're sort of like sinewy. I don't know. Don't interesting. interesting. But I think that so. Makes sense because yeah. they're kind of amphib- amphibian. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So they're, they're but, meant to have like they're meant to have like um webs between their fingers and toes and stuff. So it kind of interesting. You know. Yeah. Helps them to swim that underwater. That makes sense. Actually, Kira's wings are my favorite wings that I've seen. Yeah. Like I like the wings in AOR, but Kira's wings are just. They are more fairy-like or more moth-like. They're just, and they seem more elegant, but they're also all practical. Whereas yeah. I think you own the only wings, there's only a few practical wings here and there, but of course in AOR, they can't be practical because most of the time you see them, they're flying. So you can't do that with yeah. practical wings. You have to augment them with CGI. But I mm-hmm. loved Kira's wings because they were practical, because you hear them yeah. like open up, you see what she does with them, and they're a surprise. Whereas when we meet, the Gelflings and AOR wings are just yeah. whatever way of wings. Like yeah. of wings. That's it. You know, I just love that bit in the movie when she goes to put her wings away, like she kind of leans forwards and then they kind of like, you see them folding mm-hmm. and it's only for a split second. But mm-hmm. I just love Me that too. shot. Me too. Me too. It kind of just adds to that realism of the fact that she's wearing clothes. She's now got to try and get these, get these giant wings back under her clothes. Yeah. And even when um, she, they jump off the cliff, you see just the mechanism for them to open. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. in AOR, they just kind of foot, 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 you know, and, and then they're under. Whereas with Kira, they're they're more complicated wings. They're not, yeah. but maybe they're wings that have adapted to glide, not to fly. So they have yeah. to be bigger. They have to be more to um, carry a weight. Yeah, they have to carry their yeah. weight. And I mean, um, she carries Jen like no problem, does she? Yeah. When yeah. she when she glides down, like there's no issue at all. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, the only thing that I, I there's only one character that I really really regret isn't in Age of Resistance more, and that's Mira. I loved Mira so yeah, much. Her design, yeah. I think, because I think because she's the most Kira looking, and I wondered if they went down that route because it was to pull on the heartstrings of sort of like, what would it be like if Kira actually died? Mm-hmm. Like you know, we have that moment in the in the movie, but we know she survives. But what about if Kira died? And she doesn't come back mm-hmm. like that motivation for Rian with Mira. But I just loved her plan. I loved her facial expressions. I loved her character. I loved, I loved how sassy she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's like that, you know, there's that awful moment when she's being drained and she looks, looks round and says, masters help me. And they just, they just, you know, they just carry on and drain her. And it's mm-hmm. just, heartbreaking heartbreaking but she's just such a wonderful puppet she is like just incredible yeah i her her she does look similar to kira of course there's the name i think certainly with that first episode of age of resistance it's uh, a reflection of the original film where you have these Mm. things sort of happening at the same time jen's Mm -hmm. or jen rian's um like jen remember when jen was uh 
in the original up on top on the balcony and things are happening to kira and he's watching similar mm -hmm. things are happening and and i thought that was an interesting um decision for them to make to like okay we're going to reflect the original film a little bit um but this, but we're also going to turn it on its head turn it on its head and this mira who sounds like kira is going to die um, yeah and that's the first episode we see um uh, thankfully she just disappeared um i know you know by the time we reached uh thra in the original film they don't disappear they just become decrepit and, yeah and mm -hmm. a hollow version of who they are like a ghost well, they become they become like slaves don't they yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. it's a different but, process completely isn't it it is it but is. this but on purpose so like age of resistance the the Skeksis want all of their essence. Yeah. Whereas the process that happens in the movie, they want as much as they can get, but they also need slaves. Yep. So somewhere the, between, yeah, somewhere between the movie and the series that will then change. And I think that's, I think that's kind of implied at the end of age of resistance season one, when Skektek has the fight with the Grunax, the, the machine gets damaged. So I, I must, I'm, assuming that he it then forces him to then make the change because in the movie he just reflects the light from the crystal mm -hmm. whereas in age resistance he's physically out of the crystal so if we did get a season two it'd be cool to see slave girlfriend as well as slave podlings yeah oh that but would be interesting and i think wouldn't it be cool they have and, then to, what do you, and then what do you do with them? We know what you have to do with them. If you, if they're useless to you, what would you do with them? Yeah, you, you have to make get them rid flames. of them. But it may, it makes sense too that they that they pull back on taking all of their essence because now Gelfling and Podling aren't coming to the castle willingly. So if they're not going to yeah, come exactly. willingly, we need we need we need a staff. We're not going to do this. Skeksis aren't going to take care of themselves. So mm -hmm. they make slaves, and then they have a slave master um, because they need that. Um, yeah. So they drain them to the point of just being robotic, um, like yeah. do this. So it's going to be. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine a moment where you've kind of like everybody knows that the castle's bad, but maybe not everybody knows why the castle's bad, mm -hmm. and you have this interchange between a slave gelfling coaxing a normal gelfling into the castle, mm -hmm. and he doesn't know why his eyes yes. are the way he is. Like you know what I mean? And maybe he's hooded, and you can't see that he's. He just looks like an old man. And he's kind of come, come to the castle. I just like that idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it's terrifying. Wish, I think, wish list, wish list. <laughs> I think the idea of the Gelfling, um, of a Gelfling army protecting the castle that are slaves that have been drained of their essence, that are white eyed, but you can't really mm. like that's terrifying. Um, so yeah, they are responsible for getting new Gelfling, for, like for essence so you have them working yeah. um because they don't know what they're doing and maybe by and maybe they end up dying i don't know but um yeah I, it, there's a lot there there's so much left to explore oh massive amount i mean you look at you look at the the uh the mordras i mean uh, they are the they're meant to be the best of the best puppets right and each individual one is just a complete reflection of their clan. And they just look absolutely astounding. You could have an individual series for each one of those characters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They just look incredible. Yeah. Look at, inc like, 
Madra Lasted is one of the most incredible puppets I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she's, she's awesome, isn't she? She's and absolutely she's gorgeous. She's only on screen for a few minutes. Her, yeah, you've her got... energy, her eyes. Yeah. Like, like she doesn't yeah. even make too much, too many movements, but she no. speaks with her face. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I could watch that scene where she arrives and she's they surround. And that whole scene where they have to choose a Madra um, mm. and all of the Madras there are, are like, well, what's happening? We're really... We're really not sure, and um, Madra Farah takes flight and is flying around um, Celadon. Like, no, this isn't going to happen. That yeah. whole scene is just amazing. Ah, oh, so it's so um, atmospheric, isn't it? And again, it goes back to that thing with the whole world building. Like, you just you just get sucked in, and it's only like what twenty minute scenes, but you're just totally sucked into that that what's going on there and that 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 jostling for power and then that decision from celadon just like do you know what i don't need you to do this you you go do what you want i've got these three faithful clans here that's enough like i'm building i'm building my world now you can either accept it or you can die basically i just like it's, it's shakespearean yeah it is it is certainly shakespearean it's just a beautiful thing and the more again all whenever we talk about this show i just want to get back into it and watch it more just to <laughs> i know right because i've seen the show i think i'm on my 11th or 12th time all the way through it mm. um and i still pick up new things i still see new things here or there it's tiny details um well now i know we're not talking about podlings but it happens within i think episode three or four where the episode opens up and you hear hop singing oh yeah just episode four beautiful yes the mystery of it and it's (laughs) oh my god like and then i think it's still episode four where you see naya and um kylan hooded yeah the tree that ominous hood of theirs yes and they're it's dark out and jen has walked in or and jen and rian has walked into um the podling whatever you call it cafe yeah bar like, uh, um yeah. what's it called is it why something why something i whatever way station but just that whole that whole scene within the podling village or within that podling hovel or whatever the tension the attention to detail is yeah out of this world and i loved and i love that tension between tavra rian and naya mm-hmm like Naya's like, no, I'm here for him. He's 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 got his he's something to do with my brother. My brother's missing. I need him. And Tavra's like, back off. He's the murderer. I'm here for him. If you don't like it, get stuffed. You know what I mean? Like it's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just brilliant. I mean, how how um how ironic that Kylan starts off as this hooded this hooded like character. We like, oh, is he? Oh, is he gonna? Is he gonna kill somebody? Is he gonna bust somebody up? And he's like, do you want some brew? <laughs> <laughs> Kylan is an interesting character because he starts off very prominent very yeah, involved yeah, he and does. then he ends up just making tea and soup you know yeah and we're, we're not ever like, hear from him again yeah he kind of dissolves into the background doesn't he which is a shame but again he's it's like it's one of those it's one of those things where um you only have so much time oh, i mean even sure. with even with 10 hours it's still not enough there's so many characters i mean you look at um uh what's the um the Seaf and El Elder Kadir. I mean, what a great character he is. 
when he loses his mind and he's like, hello, hello. It's just, it's silly, but it's yeah. just funny. It's just yeah. funny. And the seafood we haven't even really talked about in terms of their culture, their seafood gelflings yeah and we'll get into that eventually and just didn't the, see any of that did we yeah yeah it's amazing it's really yeah, there's really that amazing. there's that dynamic between the librarian and he's obviously knows elder kadir and he's mm -hmm. like you know no tricks kadir and kadir's like yeah you can come in here but as long as he goes it's like what's the history there mm -hmm. it's just little mm -hmm. little subtle moments like that that just it just makes this world so vast you could it just does. write. You could write a hundred books of all these characters. I'd I'd buy every single one of them, and just <laughs> devote. Just signed. I, <laughs> of course. Of I course. need the puppeteer to sign them. I need both puppeteers <laughs> to sign them, and I need the voice actor to sign them, and I need the author to sign them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would. Um, it would. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm excited to continue talking about the Gelfling. Um, mm. There is there's a yeah. lot of ground to still cover, and I mean talking about the prophecy and and how that comes about but to your point what i love about aor a lot is they don't use flashbacks i mean there's some dream fasting things here and there if anything they use a flash forward with deet because you see ran on the crystal trying to trying to heal the crystal you see deet mm. on on the throne, on the throne. Um, yeah. so there's some things happening there. You're not really sure like well what is this is this something that may be so something that is going to happen we don't know but they don't ever go to flashbacks in with these characters, which I love. I don't like flashbacks in movies um, and shows because if your character is good enough, you don't need a flashback. They can mm. tell us who they are by the writing, by the performance. So you mm -hmm. don't need a flashback to tell. Like I don't, I just don't like flashbacks because they're not realistic. When we meet people in 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 life, we don't like get flashbacks to them. Oh, to tell us who they are. Don't you? It's, no. I do. <laughs> do you dream fast with people? <laughs> um, but I really love that writing. That's uh, that's a sign of a really good writer or writers when you don't have to rely on flashbacks to give us more character because the mm. character should give us more character. And to yeah. your point with. Um, with Elder Kadia and uh, the librarian, there's just history. And even when, like you said before, um, Brea is talking to Tavra about Annika, and Tavra goes, Annika? Like, yeah. she knows her. Like, she um, knows her. Yeah, instantly. there's history there. So, and, what's going on there? Yeah, and that's all we need. That's all we need. So our imagination starts, well, what is happening there? And then maybe later on, we'll see. Um, I mean, and even in... Age of Resistance, you know, when they have the little arachnids on their eyes and the oh, one the Arathim, from, yeah. The Rathim, yeah. So when Tavra dies Tavra yeah, when Tavra dies, yeah. Um it jumps off of her face and you see it slowly they pan they keep on that thing for a long time. Yeah. Because it it's follows, got Tavra's essence. It going on. Yeah. 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 That's what I assume, yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see if the show gets picked up. Um which by this time, let's see, when was it cancelled? Was it canceled um, in 2020? Or it 19? Canceled? It was canceled 2020, in 2020. 2020, yeah. So it's been yeah. almost, it'll be almost two years since it's been canceled. Um, so mm. I would imagine if it's going to be picked up, we'll know this year. If it's not going to be picked up, it won't ever be. And hence, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's, um, it, I think it speaks volumes that they haven't just gone straight out the door and just started releasing loads of comics. Like, because usually, yeah. Like they did that with Power of the Dark Crystal. As soon as Power of the Dark Crystal didn't work and they just went, right, this, we are just, this is not happening. 
suddenly all that material came out as a comic book. So I think mm-hmm. it's great that we're not seeing anything at the moment. Um, but you know, who knows? Yeah, they who could knows? get picked up. It's so the 40th anniversary year. Optimistic. Of the yeah. yeah. Optimist. Optimism. I'm, uh, I'm totally but optimistic, and that's, I was going to swear, but this is a G-rated show, so I won't. You are not optimistic. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it's over. Uh, no. Uh, but I think if there is something happening, if there is something in play, I feel like my gut is telling me we will hear about it this year, to- closer yeah. to the 40th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, and That'd be Henson nice. That has, would be nice. Henson has, interestingly enough, started to... Yeah, weirdly, AOR. they start they started promoting it. Like, what? Like, what's yeah. going on there? Why, why yeah. now? Like, after why a now? year, after a year and a half of nothing, you start promoting Army. the show. Yeah, so we'll see. Crazy. We'll see. That is I think, this is, I think we should wrap it here and then come back for yeah. part two. A hundred percent, because there's so much more we can talk about. There is. Especially on the Gelfling. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I know we're kind of all over the place, but that's kind of what we do. We're just talking about the show and this movie that we love and we will always love and uh, we'll be back soon take care guys if you'd like to get in contact with the show you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast Follow us on Instagram at Dark Crystal Podcast and on Twitter at Dark Crystal Pod. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.